Hello, and welcome to this podcast edition of Growing Wisdom. And I'm here today with Michael Farrell, the CEO of the Forest Farmers. Michael has a really cool business going on across New York and Vermont, and it's all about trees and maple syrup and maple products and maple water. And we're going to get into a great discussion with him this morning. So welcome, Michael. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, so, Michael, I, I would love to start this conversation with a little bit about your industry overall. And I know that there may be some misconceptions about maple maple syrup, climate change, and, and what you're finding and some of the realities of your business is actually growing, not shrinking. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, our, our main business is, is maple syrup. And uh, it's been vastly uh, expanding over the last, say, 15 years or so. Um, and, uh, you know, despite climate change, you know, you, you often hear a lot of, uh, you know, stories that, you know, maple syrup is being hurt by climate change. We might not have maple syrup in the Northeast here in the future, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, maple syrup is growing tremendously. Uh, we're, we're doing really well um, in our production much more than we were in the past. Uh, like for instance, we used to try to get a quart of syrup from each tree that we uh, tapped. And now people strive for a half a gallon of syrup. What, what, uh, do, so you are, think's, so, so what do you think's been your, your, I guess your main, main thing that's gotten so much more syrup out of a tree? Like what's been the biggest change? Oh, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the sap collection mechanism. So, you know, historically, and you know, and a lot of people still do it on a small scale. Um, just hanging a bucket on a tree, you know, just relying on gravity to uh, sap the flow into your tree. You know, when you get those uh, freeze thaw cycles, right? So that's that's the historical method, and and it's it's still a great way to do it on a small scale as a hobby for fun. But uh, people who do maple syrup for a living um, almost all use a, a vacuum tubing system. And, you know, you stretch tubing between the trees, you hook it up to a vacuum pump, and you're able to draw sap out of the trees in a sustainable manner using just one small hole. Um, and your, <clears throat> your yields are much higher than just relying on, you know, the, the gravity freeze-thaw into a bucket. And so, you know, now we're getting, you know, at least twice and sometimes three times the amount of sap using the, the vacuum tubing. And we don't really need those freeze thaw cycles as much as if you're just, um, you know, hanging a bucket on a tree, because whenever it's above freezing, the sap can continue to flow out of the trees to your collection tank and you, and you can make delicious syrup. You know, what we're going through right now, uh, we're talking here in the middle of maple season. Um, the forecast is, is really horrible for people who are relying on freeze thaw cycles. Because mm, it's so um, warm. Yeah. And all of us that have vacuum tubing, we're just continuing to collect sweet sap day after day. Um, this is the height of the season. Normally, we'd be getting these freeze thaws. We're not, but um, we're getting lots of sap. The sugar content in the sap is, is above 2%. You know, we're happy with that. And, uh, you know, we'll have a good year because of that. If, if we didn't have the vacuum tubing, it would be a disaster year. Wow. That, that, it's amazing how technology has enabled you to get the sugar out of the trees themselves. Now, now here's my question. 
as the climate continues to warm, I mean, we, we know that it's warmer. We don't have the same number of sort of cold nights and mild days that we had in early spring years ago. Now we're above freezing much earlier. Uh, yep. What about the health of the trees themselves? Like forget the maple industry for a second. I know that might be hard, but are the, are the <laughs> yeah. maple trees suffering? Do you see decline? Um, no, the, all the, the decline that we saw with maple trees, there was a lot of research going into that back in the 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s. And that was due to acid rain. Um, and, you know, we've done a lot to, you know, clean up a lot of the power plants in the Midwest. That was the source of that acid rain. Sure. And so we don't have the same type of acid rain issues that was causing a lot of decline in maple back then. Uh, maples are actually, they're expanding um, their range and becoming more um, more prevalent in the forests throughout the East, whether it's sugar maple, red maple, or others. And, and red maple is now the number one tree species in the Eastern US in terms of volume. And sugar maple is expanding its range even further South. I mean, it's overtaking the Oak Hickory forests of the Midwest and, and, and Appalachia area that, um, you know, it's shade tolerant and can come in underneath the canopies of, you know, those forests that are, you know, not currently dominated by maple, but, you know, if current trends continue, that there'll be more maple there as well. Right. And, and, and so, you know, we're only tapping a small percentage of the trees that are out there. Uh, our trees are, are doing well. I mean, the concerns are with drought. I mean, you know, climate change can have, you know, can either, you know, cause extreme flooding or extreme drought. Sure. And the trees are resilient. Um, you know, if you properly manage your forest, if you, you know, give the trees, uh, you know, give the trees an opportunity, they can usually um, withstand most of life stressors. I mean, they, you know, they live for hundreds of years and they go through lots of droughts and floods throughout their entire time. So as long as they're um, given an opportunity, uh, you know, they, they, they do well. And, and one of the great things about maple sugaring is that it gives those trees an opportunity to continue to survive because you make sure that they last in your forest for many years because you want to collect the sap out of them. Mm -hmm. You know, maple is also extremely valuable for, for lumber. I mean, the timber value is one of the highest uh, of any species in the Northeast. So a lot of forests that are not used for sugaring wind up getting harvested for their lumber because it's so valuable. And the ones that can use for maple sugaring, yeah, we take a little bit of sap out of them every year, but those are the trees that get saved um, year after year. I, I was surprised, you know, as you were talking, you're talking about the expansion of the trees north and south. And, and I was surprised when I looked at a map at, you know, we think of Vermont maple syrup, Canadian maple syrup, Maine maple syrup. But I was surprised how far west actually maple syrup comes from. I mean, I saw parts of Michigan doing it, parts of eastern Minnesota having, you know, trees tapped. It, it, it's not just I, I mean, of course, we want to we want to buy your maple syrup in the New York, Vermont area, but it's not just that area. Right. No, I mean, there's maple trees growing in every state in the U.S. except for Hawaii, even in Florida. I mean, there's a species called Florida maple, and you can get red maple growing down to there. On, on the West Coast, you got big leaf maple growing California, Oregon, Washington. There's Rocky Mountain maple. There's, there's maples throughout the entire country. And in almost every part of the country, you can make maple syrup. Um, 
and and the industry is growing a lot more in those southern areas. Like there's now a lot more activity in Kentucky, in Missouri, in Indiana, um, West Virginia, New Jersey. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of projects going on to really help boost and expand the maple industry outside of your you know your typical you know New York, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire. You know that's where you know people generally think of maple syrup in, in the U.S. and then of sure. course in Canada, Quebec, Ontario, New Brunswick. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean the, there's and there's a lot of maple trees in the Midwest. Michigan, Wisconsin is is just a you know a huge wealth of of, of maple trees in those forests. So you and I got connected through uh, the CEO air of Clover Food Labs, and you know they I I love what they do because their food is basically you know a lot of it's plant based, and I'm a big plant guy. Uh, yep. And then, you know, you and I started talking. How did you get connected? What's what's your relationship? What, what are you trying to achieve with your partnership? Yeah, I met Eric at a um, it was a uh, program for farm entrepreneurs. And, and he came um, to speak and, and meet with uh, it was a group of, I think, like 20 of us who were starting farm businesses and learning how to become the best farmers we can be. And, and that's where I met Eric. Um, because he is, uh, you know, walks the walk, talks the talk. Um, and, you know, what he's done with Clover is really tremendous and in, in bringing, you know, really good food to people, um, delicious food from local farmers in the Northeast. And they have a CSA program at Clover as well, where, you know, the farmers that supply Clover with the food for their restaurants um, people can also sign up for CSA shares and, and, you know, get, uh, get a box of food from that farm every week when they go to the restaurant and pick up, you know, they might want to go get a salad from Clover and then they get, you know, their, their share of veggies and other stuff for the week. Um, so it's a great program, great connection between farmers and, 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 uh, you know, the, the customers at Clover. And we started a forest share CSA where, um, people can sign up to receive a, a box of, uh, you know, different stuff from our woods, uh, each season of the year. And so it's, it's been a great partnership in that regard. And, uh, you know, we do the maple box as well. You know, they do this, these special gift boxes during sugaring season and just, it's just a great opportunity, uh, to partner with a, you know, a great company, you know, you know, plant-based food, you know, we know that's, you know, that's the best for the planet. That's the best for our bodies. And, um, you know, we're offering, you know, plant-based, forest-based sweeteners, you know, we think, you know, maple and, you know, the sap from other trees as well is, you know, that's the best type of sweetener you can put in your body. And it's the best for the planet. Speaking of sweeteners, folks may not realize that there's other sugar syrups from other trees that are produced as well. Can you talk about maybe some of the different types of trees that give syrups that they might find and, and what would be the difference to the taste like if we did a blind taste <clears throat> test what would i what would i find different um i mean the main ones are birch beech and walnut those are the ones that we tap quite a few of those trees every year and i'd say birch is the most commonly known you know the difference between birch and maple you know the birch sap starts to flow in the maple season's coming to an end and the sap it's plentiful, but there's there's not a lot of sugar in it. It's only maybe a quarter of the amount of sugar in the sap of, of birch as as there is in a maple. And um, 
And the sugars are a different type of sugar. It's more glucose and fructose rather than sucrose. And so you get, you just get a much different flavor. It's uh, birch syrup is delicious. Um, you know, used in recipes, marinades, glazes, um, dressings, that kind of stuff. It's not something you put on pancakes. It's because it's got more of a, a fruity molasses type of notes to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I'd say another one, you know, the walnut trees uh, also produces delicious sap and syrup uh, that's very similar to maple. I'd say it's a little bit more nutty or buttery than maple. Um, but uh, it's also sucrose based. So you get a lot of the same, you know, flavor profiles and walnut as you do in maple. Um, you know, we actually do a blend of maple and walnut because, you know, people know that flavor, you know, it's a popular ice cream flavor and sure. uh, the syrup is just, just delicious. So um, we stretch our walnut a little bit further, um, blending the sap right out of the forest with the maple to, to make a really nice, delicious, unique syrup. What are, what are some of the other products that, you know, obviously the backyard, backyard sort of farmers could tap trees and, you know, make their own maple syrup. It's, it's a little cumbersome, but they can do it. What else, what else can people find in the forest that may be edible that you guys might be doing on a, on a larger scale, but are there some fun things that, you know, with education? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, once you know all the things that are edible in the woods, you know, your, your experience out there in nature, going for hikes and just exploring the forest is, you know, it's, it, it makes us that much more fun and interesting to be out there. Um, you know, we're coming up right now. Um, this is the beginning of ramp season. Um, they'll be coming out shortly if they're not already, depending on where, where you live in the warmer areas are probably already starting to come up. Um, and those are like the first green, uh, out of the forest every year. And, uh, you know, delicious flavor, you know, kind of combination of garlic and onion. Um, then the fiddleheads are going to be up shortly after the ramps. And uh, those are two of the most common things in the spring. You know, in the summer, you get into all the different types of berries. Um, and that's when the mushrooms start to fruit is, you know, usually summer and fall. And, you know, knowing your mushrooms, knowing which ones uh, are sure. good and which ones to avoid is certainly important um especially which ones to avoid um so uh you know there's just and then all all the nuts from the different trees you know the beech nuts the walnuts i mean they're they're delicious and so you know they're time consuming to to gather and everything but you know if if that's what you really enjoy is is foraging and you know there's just tons of great resources out there to learn all the different things that you can get out of the forest yeah, I mean, the, the, in terms of mushrooms, we want to, you know, obviously you got to really know your mushrooms because you can make yourself sick. You can even, you know, kill yourself if you eat the wrong thing. But, you know, the hen in the woods, probably one of the easier ones to identify, uh, you know, early fall. And that's one of my favorite things to forage. I'm not great at the mushrooms, but I'm comfortable with picking that one because I've learned it over time. And, uh, you know, yeah. I encourage folks to educate themselves if they want to do that. Yeah, there's probably about 10 mushrooms that are most common and delicious and not easily confused with anything that could be poisonous. And so if you just get like 10 in your, you know, index card in your brain of knowing what to go for, uh, that's that's probably enough. Favorite thing that you take out of the woods uh, that you really enjoy could be anything? Um, Well, I would say probably this just the sap right out of the trees, Um, you know, this time of the year. You know, sap, I mean, obviously we use it to boil down in the maple syrup and all the other great things you make from it. But 
I just love drinking it um, right out of the tree, uh, especially maple sap, which sap is good as well, but it doesn't have as sweet a flavor as, as the maple. And it's, you know, maple sap is only about 2% sugar. So you just get a hint of sweetness. It's also got all the polyphenols and antioxidants and electrolytes, all that stuff that's in the sap that's, you know, helping bring these trees to life in the springtime. I mean, that's so good for us. It's so energizing for us as well. And so that's all I drink uh, this time of year when the sap is flowing. And it's uh, it's just great to uh, be able to get that right out of the trees. And that's something anybody can do. I mean, anybody that has a maple tree, um, you know, you can collect the sap from the tree, drink it, cook with it, make your coffee and tea with it, rice, soups, stews, oatmeal, you know, anything uh, that you would normally use for water, just replace with the sap. And it's, it's just great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the first days of spring when the sap starts flowing, you can start drinking the sap. That's, that's just a really special time of the year. Yeah. I, I love it. I love just that, that energy of the tree and you're kind of taking in some of that energy. I, I, I think a lot of folks don't realize that these trees are, are, you know, you look at them, you look at them right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking out at a, uh, an ash tree and, you know, you can see the buds starting to swell up and a lot's happening in the trees this time of the year, even before the green. And it, to me, it's just exciting. You know, the roots are active. They've been active for weeks and weeks already. And those buds are starting to swell and all that. I just imagine just, you know, those gallons and gallons of sap just rising out of the earth and into those buds. And eventually, you know, we'll see uh, the greening of the landscape here in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Michael, I appreciate your time. This was this was really great. Uh, certainly educational for me, and I hope you folks who are listening to this also found some tidbits of information from here. And of course, we want to uh, thank our partners at Clover Food Labs uh, for for their introduction to Michael and I. And uh, have a great day.